Hello and welcome to Moonwise, a podcast celebrating seasons, cycles, and rites of passage. I'm your host, Dorte Sophie Royal, and today I speak with Sydney Bloom about her experience of working with intuition and psychic gifts. We talk about the importance of energetic boundaries, intention setting, and consent. She shares her own story of developing a code of ethics as a psychic medium, as well as advice for people who want to engage more with their intuition in daily life. Before we begin, I want to thank everyone who has rated and reviewed Moonwise on Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference in helping others find the show. Special thanks today goes to Laura, who recently left a review saying, Moonwise is a thoughtful and loving podcast that touches the heart of women's spirits. Thank you so much, Laura. Also, I want to let you know that if you'd like to receive little bits of inspiration and seasonal wisdom, including astrology and my personal recommendations in your inbox, you can subscribe to our magazine at moonwise.co slash magazine. Okay, on with our show. Sydney Bloom is a nonprofit systems change leader who has embraced her calling as an intuitive guide, intergenerational clairvoyant, and intuition development mentor. Sydney has helped hundreds of people around the world through her intuitive readings, spiritual mediumship, and intuition development mentorship. She is the host of the Intuitively Aligned podcast with Sydney Bloom and the Intuitively Aligned newsletter on Substack. Hi, Sydney. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I am so honored and excited to be here with you. So, for our listeners, I met Sydney in college. And we were at a university that was very logical and linear, and somehow we found our way to each other, not fully knowing that we were both going to awaken to the more magical side of life shortly thereafter. I have been following Sydney's work since and have been so impressed with the grounded and clear way in which you're talking about intuition, spirit, and psychic gifts. And I just, yeah, I can't wait to dive in with you today. Thank you so much. Uh, The admiration is so mutual. And I think of you as probably the first person I know who did anything in new media and social media, sharing your magical witchy ways with the world. And I wouldn't even normally use the word witchy because I think there's this, this reverence that we have been separated from in terms of our relationship with the natural world and our relationship to the great mystery and When you started talking about new media, probably now, at least 15 years ago, if not longer, I didn't know what you were talking about. And at that time, I remember thinking, wow, Dorte's on like this other level. (laughs) (laughs) And then to watch you progressively share through the beauty of flowers, through creating sacred geometry and ritual and continuing to, in a way, cross-pollinate for people in different places across different mediums. I mean, I'm really in awe of you, and it's such a privilege to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) 
Well, I, I would love to start with a little bit of how you came to your work. I know it's, it's a long story. There's a lot of different stages, but in particular, I think what I'm most intrigued about the way that you walk in the world is that you have not rejected the intellect, the, you know, the logical world, the practical world of, you know, having impact in in our communities and working with policy and things like that. Like you have this incredible background of sociology and policy work and community building. And, and at the same time, you're stepping really fully into this role as a intuitive and, and really embracing the psychic gifts. So I just love that those things are married in you. And yeah, I would love to know a little bit about that. Cause I think sometimes people will sort of like throw the baby out with the bathwater and just be like, okay, forget everything except for my intuitive life. And then it tends to not be so balanced and grounded in our world. So yeah, all that to say, I, I'm intrigued to know a little more about your story and how you've come to this integration. Absolutely. Thank you. I feel so seen. (laughs) As you can imagine, um, I honestly do think of myself as a bridge and a connector. I'm what Malcolm Gladwell called, I think he just called them connectors, but like kind of a serial connector because I know that my magic is through relationships. I think that that's true for so many people too right? Especially when we can make choices that really serve us and find people who are uplifting and expanding. And I would be happy to share with you some of that journey for sure. A couple of thoughts to start. I, as I reflect on it, have always had a connection between my higher self and the spirit world and a very grounded earthly reality. And what I mean by that is that even as a small child, I, (laughs) my parents had me when I was very young in a farmhouse in the countryside. I live in Ontario, Canada, and the energy of the previous person who lived there had stayed in the house. And this was something my parents would talk about. They would, and he was the he was the original schoolmaster in this tiny hamlet. I think he had come from Scotland and lived in this one room. And I don't think it was actually one room, but it was like a a little a little farmhouse that my parents ended up renovating. Of course, they were hippies in the seventies, living in the countryside, and they would just say, "Oh, the energy of the old schoolmasters here. Look, the attic door popped open, and it was this like." attic that would be physically impossible to lift. You'd have to push the wood up from underneath and then really exert force and move it over in order to then climb up the ladder to get into the attic. A grown adult could barely open and lift that door into the attic, let alone a breeze. So I always grew up um, with this sense of magic and an awareness that there's a sort of multi-sensory reality that a lot of people don't talk about. My parents definitely have always, they're self-made people. And so they are people who in their embodiment in the physical world really show up in a way of believing in limitless possibilities and believing that you can do it. And so for me, that I think was a really huge anchoring point. So they would always say, do your best. And they were out in the world in their own ways, really creating a reality that would not have been designed for them by their own families. 
And so um, I was really blessed to have that sense of limitless possibility and a really expansive mindset. And my parents weren't necessarily talking about spirituality. They weren't necessarily, you know, I think of right now, there's this like huge coaching industry where people are always talking about like expanding your mindset and all this stuff. And they weren't a part of that. They were just living in the earthly reality, but operating from this very expanded place where they wanted to create a life that was different. And so I, as their child, um, and also knowing a bit about what my ancestors went through and the various hardships on both sides of the family, I think, um, was able to understand this unique moment in time, even if I wasn't conscious of it. Right. So, so there's that. I also, as a child would hear stories about intergenerational clairvoyance in my family. I had a cousin who would have predictive dreams growing up. I had, my mom would tell me stories from her childhood where interesting things would happen. I keep joking that I need to bring her, well, not joking. I'm serious. I want to bring my mom as a guest on my podcast to share some of the stories because I don't like telling someone else's stories, but she had some very, um, magical and shocking experiences as a child, seeing things that weren't there and then discovering them later. And, um, and so there was also this reverence for the unseen, even though it wasn't something that was taught or cultivated in a way that maybe we might be doing now in terms of having a bit more awareness in the way that we teach our children about these mysteries. You mentioned ancestors and I was listening to your podcast, the intuitively aligned podcast, and it's absolutely fascinating. I highly recommend everyone listen to it, but there is an episode where you talk about your experience with Percy. And I feel like that's such a great example of how spirit and intuition works. And it's just like the most magical thing, you know, in terms of our ancestral lineage. Okay. So for anybody listening, this is a somewhat recent revelation. So I've known my whole life that as a small child, I had a friend, like I had an invisible friend. We lived in this country home until I was three and a half years old. My parents moved into the city, into Toronto, just in time for me to start junior kindergarten the summer that I turned four. So up until that point, we were living in this country home and I had a friend who I ended up calling him Mr. Invisible, I think, because I sensed that that would be socially acceptable. Like I must have seen a show or heard something about kids having invisible friends. And I was like, right, got it. Got the memo. (laughs) And, um, and I have this memory of at one point snapping this big plastic yellow purse that I had and thinking, Percy. So I was young. I would would have been three years old, maybe two years old. And Percy, the name Percy always stayed with me. And over the years, sometimes I would think, yeah, like what was that about with Percy? And I didn't fully connect it. I don't think, but, um, but it stayed with me to the point that when I was in high school, we moved to a new neighborhood in Toronto and somebody's like a friend of a family friend lived down the street and her husband had passed away and his name was Percy. And I felt so validated because in that moment I knew, oh, I don't even think I mentioned this on my podcast, but I remember thinking, see, there are men named Percy. (laughs) 
And then having a moment of being like, wait, what's going on? Because even in high school, I didn't necessarily, I didn't step deeply consciously into my intuitive gifts and my ritual practices until I was done my formal education, done undergrad, um, done my master's degree and back in Toronto working. And that was when I really deeply um, began to have this daily practice. So over the years, I would think about Percy and I would say I quite loosely came to recognize as I deepened my own spiritual practice that Percy was really who Mr. Invisible was. Recently, in the last year, I was looking through, because I started to research my ancestors, a family member of mine had actually gone onto one of the websites that will create your family tree and show you all of the family members. And I became very, very interested in the generation of my grandmother's mother on my mom's side. And there were some sisters who I'd heard of who were clairvoyant and different things. And I'd always heard this story about a youngest brother who had been lost at sea because the men in the family were all sailors out in the ocean in the Atlantic off of Nova Scotia. And who is the name of the youngest sibling who for years I've heard stories about, but Percy. And I looked at this thing and I nearly, like I had like a full freak out because of course, (laughs) of course my childhood friend Percy would be like a spirit friend from my great grandmother's generation. It definitely shocked me. And, um, and as soon as I saw it, it landed as truth in my body. I love it. Cause I had a imaginary friend as well when I was pre-verbal and my mom said I would always set a place at the table for that person. And so, yeah, I think a lot of children have that and we are born with a lot of awareness, I think. And this is something I wanted to ask you too, is that, you know, people say clairvoyance, clairaudience, and yes, like these are words to describe specific gifts or how we receive information from the unseen or spirit, whatever you want to call it. But recently I've been thinking about maybe we have had the wrong or a limited definition of what a human being is. Maybe, maybe these are not like unusual gifts, maybe being a human is so much more multidimensional, so much deeper, so much grander than we have been told. And this is what I've been contemplating. That resonates for me a hundred percent. And it's a reflection of the society that we live in. It's a reflection of the histories that we've inherited that even in conceptualizing our relationship to call it whatever is meaningful to you, right? The great mystery, the energy of all that is, the universe, God, whatever that means to you, our highest selves, right? Like there are all of these different ways of understanding it. And yet I think we've been socially conditioned to treat that whole aspect of our lived experience, our human experience as other. And I feel like now is the time now there is this invitation to become more integrated in our being, in our human being. Yeah. That this is not some kind of like, ooh, extra, whatever. It's like, no, this is who we truly are. And we've had generations upon generations of it being said, like, that's wrong, that's evil, that's the devil, that don't talk about that, you're not allowed. And when I listen to you speaking, especially on your podcast, it just gives me so much permission. I just feel so much permission of like, 
it's okay. You can just be you and trust the insights that you're being given. And yes, there is probably for many of us, a lot of work to do clearing shadow, clearing ancestral trauma, all this stuff that gets in the way of this incredible perception that we naturally, I think really should have. But I've talked about this on the podcast before, which is that, you know, in order to control a population, you really, you don't want them to be seen clearly because then they would see all the lies that are in front of them and it wouldn't be easy to control. (laughs) True. A hundred percent. That actually, that's another question I have for you. For me, sometimes knowing things like I don't want to, like I don't want to see the truth. Like that has been, I think, one of my greatest barriers where like I'll have an intuition or an insight and then I'm just, I'll push it away and I'm just like, I don't want to know that. (laughs) Especially about people I love, if someone I love is lying to me or sometimes I'm like, Oh, thanks. And then I just kind of go into denial. I think it's a really natural reaction, especially when we haven't been given the tools to feel and know how powerful we really are and the ways in which we can co-create our realities. One of the biggest practices that I do and which I recommend for anybody, whether you identify as somebody who has multi-sensory gifts or psychic gifts or whatever, or whether you don't connect with that at all, but you're just kind of curious and open, is this practice of intention setting. And I know this is something that you've talked about with guests before, and I always love hearing the different ways that different people frame it because that's the beauty of, that's the beauty in the medicine of storytelling, I think, is that different people's ways of describing their experience and describing their practices actually connect for us in different ways that then almost, you know, in a, in a spiritual way, you could say it sort of opens a portal where suddenly you're able to try a practice that you weren't open to. But in a really grounded, earthly reality way, you can just say, wow, that was a really inspiring story. And now I feel like I could do that too. That's actually part of why I created my podcast and part of why I do this work, because I don't think it's just for spiritual people or light workers or whatever. I'm very post-constructs with the way that I do this work, because I believe that everybody has intuition. I believe we all have old programming to work through and overcome and that we can all begin to tap into our inner knowing. And so the practice of setting intentions and I'll tell you how I do it because I think it's a really good way. And it's a teaching that I received from somebody else many years ago, a wonderful woman um, who I met on a retreat in Bali in 2012, is I always set intentions that whatever's happening, whether I'm going into a meeting, whether I'm spending time with my family, whether I'm waking up in the morning and the day is ahead of me or heading to bed and the day is done, I I give thanks to the energy of all that is, or insert your own point of source. I give thanks for everything serving my best and highest good with ease, grace, and love. And that in and of itself to me is a blessing. It's an intention. It's It's a magnetic manifesting practice. And it's also a spell of protection where only ease, grace, and love are coming in. And so what that does for me, and it doesn't mean that I don't have my moments of being 
out of balance or exhausted. I have two young children. So, you know, we can talk about the journeys of motherhood and parenting. But what that intention does for me and what I've seen it do for others as well is it it gives your energy a focal point and it's an elevated, expansive focal point. And then from that place, I can bring in the questions that I have or the things that feel unsettled, but I'm doing it from this container of feeling trust and knowing that the pathways forward, because I do believe in infinite possibilities. I also like to call in miracles beyond my wildest imagination for exactly that reason. Mm -hmm. But I know when I say, you know, let this conversation serve my best and highest good and yours and everyone's listening with ease, grace, and love. And sometimes I add in laughter or vitality or whatever else. Then I know that whatever challenges come up, I will be compass forward in alignment with those intentions. And then what will happen is when challenges arise, as are natural in this human experience, instead of jumping into, you know, old programming that I might have around like an, an anxious reaction that I might feel or, you know, somebody who's behaved a certain way in the past and then they're going to do it again, I'm oriented in a way where I can hold my own power and bring a level of presence and awareness to direct myself in the way that I show up. And I think there's huge power in that. Absolutely. It makes me think of someone, I'm trying to remember who it was, said that, you know, we are creators. So be intentional with what you're creating because you're going to create something. (laughs) Yes. And not being conscious. I mean, okay, ignorance is bliss and maybe you don't know when you're ignorant, but as soon as you know, (laughs) then um, you're making a choice and you're making a choice then to be like, it's a choice to do nothing. Doing nothing is a choice that will continue to have implications and consequences in your life. And you're going to put a lot of energy into navigating the outcomes of not making a choice intentionally or you're going to put a lot of energy into navigating the outcomes as you make conscious intentional choices. Either way, it's work. But I do think that doing it this way feels a lot better. And I also feel like it really does settle. I, I had a lot of, okay, talk about being like a multi-sensory child and young adult. I had so many sensations. I think I was doing astral projecting as a teenager and didn't know what was going on. And... um It wasn't until my early 20s when I had a session with this incredible teacher of mine who basically said to move forward on this path. And I didn't know what was going on. Like I didn't understand that what she could see, right? She just said, you need to get grounded in your body. Like let's get grounded. Let's build some rituals that support you to process where you've been, to really integrate your own intentions, and um, and it wasn't until later when I met this incredible woman on my trip to Bali who she's a, she was a master manifester, but she didn't know about intention setting. So she would say, you know, we need to get out of this house immediately and then come home from work and the house would burn down to the ground. Or she and she told me that story. And she also told me a story about how she hated her job and she literally commanded to the energy of all that is 
I don't care how you get me out of this job. I am not going back another day. And she had like a major um, health crisis and ended up in the ER that night where she was in the hospital for four months. And so her teaching to me was, we're very powerful. And, you know, now, so she said to me, this is how I do it now, having (laughs) manifested some really um, dangerous situations you know, she was the one who had said to me, um, let this serve my best and highest good with ease, grace. She says ease and grace. I added in love because I just feel like, what what are we doing if there isn't love? <laughs> um, but that's why it's important because you can also set intentions that are so strong that it could harm you or whatnot. But I like to stay away from all of that. And that's why I try to keep that airtight seal around the way that I do intention setting. And that in turn creates really strong energetic boundaries Mm -hmm. so that I don't get pulled into too much, too many worries or too many mental loops around um, difficulties that won't be resolved through overanalyzing, Mm -hmm. you know? It sounds like a very empowered practice and I'm going to start using it too. (laughs) I recommend this for when you're doing dishes. Everything that I do is meant to be grounded in your everyday routine and rhythm. And there are some incredible people doing work that is like, I guess, the practice for people who are living on their own with a lot of time and space for being on their own. And and I went through this period of deep awakening when I was living in in a little downtown condo by myself early on in my career. But the way that I practice now is meant for anybody and especially people that have a lot of responsibility, people who are parents or caregivers, working a full-time job or whatever your life might look like. And it's not meant to be in a pretty little container. Yeah, It's really meant for you to be like, and I catch myself, right? So I'll be doing dishes or tidying up the house and notice, oh, my mind just slipped into worries. And then just hook it back in and say, oh, right, but remember, these are what my intentions are. Is this, is this where I want to be focusing my energy? And it's just that catching. And meditation, I mean, is such a great way to practice that. But again, so often we just beat ourselves up for not having the time and space to go as deep into certain practices as we would like, as opposed to saying, I'm in a stage of life where my playroom or my kitchen or whatever space is always messy. And anytime I'm just tidying up, I'm going to use that time to listen to my breath and ground into my intentions or, and, or practice gratitude around my intentions as well. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about parenting in particular and how working with your intuition and this spiritual path is woven through your life as a parent. I think a lot of us, as you said, we do struggle where it's like, you know, we're not in a quiet room where we can do like hours of yoga and meditation and all, you know, have all this time to really go deep. But, but it is such a, a challenging and beautiful path. And I just, how can we infuse the sacred into our role as caregivers? I love that question. I think the first piece of it, which can be really hard and also really easy, depending on the day, is to let ourselves play with our children. 
I feel like there's nothing more beautiful than allowing ourselves to be present with kids. And, and sometimes it's not play, right? Sometimes it's a child having a meltdown and needing to be held or working through something that maybe they're feeling that's hard to express because the language isn't all there or what have you, right? Um, but I think being able to be with them and allow ourselves to not really require too much else other than practicing presence is a really good practice in this stage of life. So that's one thing. Um, and also sometimes it's easier said than done, especially when if you're somebody who's working or especially if you're at home full time and trying to make sure meals are on the table and everything is in flow. So I think um, that's one thing that I recommend. And um, I also really, as <laughs> I feel like saying this on this podcast seems so cliche, but I stand by the miracle and medicine that is nature and getting outside. And I think especially when you're a new parent, especially in those very early weeks and months, but then ongoing, trying to just make sure you get outside every day for a walk and the conditions will be different every single time, but giving yourself the grace of just being in a different space and breathing fresh air and noticing the trees and noticing the season that can also be so, so grounding and teach us a lot of grace around how slow and how fast things can go when you're in that family, that, that early years of family life. Am I speaking your love language? Totally. I'm just like, oh yes, noticing the changing trees and, and children notice too. And that's the beauty. Like I probably spent a total of 45 minutes this morning also recognizing that this is a privilege of the life that I have, that I can be home with my daughter as well as doing this work. And I want to acknowledge that because not everybody has that privilege. Um, you know, we spent on and off about 45 minutes watching two snails on our stairs. And we noticed the snails when we went out to take my son to school. Then we came back and they were still there. My daughter's almost two years old, so she's very little, but big enough to be able to look and point and really notice it. And then we ran into neighbors down the street and she wanted to bring them over and show them the snails. And there's just this, this magic in, um, being able to witness that. And I will give an example because I think especially the community that you've brought together through this podcast are people who for sure are open to transformational experiences in lots of different ways. And I remember, you know, going to retreats. I did a 10-day Vipassana silent meditation retreat. People will go to psychedelic therapies. I remember we went to Burning Man in 2016 and had this incredibly transformative, you know, 10 days away and time spent in the desert and all of the magic of all these different kind of experiences that you can have. And in a way for those who are yearning for their old practices as they transition into family life or into caregiving of an older family member or for someone who's sick. But when you're in the thick of being in the collective with your family or your chosen family, it's a really different moment than selecting a transformational experience and booking those days off and going and having it, right? <laughs> and yet I think parenthood and caregiving 
is this incredible initiation into time and into awareness if we allow it to be. The art of paying close attention can really be the portal into uh, the magical, the intuitive, the kind of like the microcosm of the universe, if I may be so bold. So just looking at some snails, it may be a very profound experience. (laughs) Yes. And what does it take for us to be able to relate to that magic in the way that they are? Because I think often adults, whether, yeah, there's all these different ways of entering like a transformed or potent mindset to really allow ourselves to change. But they're like the raw material right there. Yeah. And um, when there are big emotions, they're not, if, if, I don't think anybody's perfect. You know, even my most quote unquote spiritual or conscious friends who are parents, you know, part of the initiation into family life is that it's an even deeper process of remembering. Like you're continuously having to remind yourself to breathe, to stay grounded, to you're just like regulate, co-regulating nervous systems, helping little ones regulate while also, you know, doing it yourself. And it can be a lot. And at the same time, um, there's, there is so much magic and they will show up with it. And so then we have to not get triggered or afraid. Yeah. And lately I've been sort of peeking into the world of Reddit, which I never explored ever in my life. But I was just so curious to see what kind of things are people on Reddit asking. And there are whole spaces there about parents talking about their th- the things that their children are seeing and sensing and communicating and not knowing how to respond and getting scared. And so I think part of that's part of why grounding is so important. And that's part of why having clear intentions and, and thinking good thoughts as a very basic distillation of that Mm -hmm. is so important because if we are in the practice of thinking good thoughts and holding good intentions and being grateful for all the little things, little and large, and we can share that with our children, you're teaching them how to manage their own energy and manage their own power in a way that, you know, they might sense something in the darkness of their room at night and, um, and think good thoughts and be in a good place with it rather than letting something scary, like a scary thought or a shadow or let alone a vision or an apparition really freak them out. But like, if those things happen, there's also ways as an adult to ground and like bring in some ritual so that everybody can feel that we're creating that container of love where nothing that's not love can come in. Yeah, that's a really good point that that as we as a collective are waking up and as people are kind of learning these tools and ways to work with these gifts, it's so important that we teach our children or at least, you know, first of all, don't hinder. <laughs> Second of all, teach them to also manage their gifts because I really do think the children coming in right now, they're they're just laden with gifts. They're just ready to they're being born right now for a reason. And of course that's been true throughout history, but this is a particular time on the planet. And I really think like the, the really strong warriors are coming in. And, um, and I think, yeah, like we, we, maybe we need more resources around, like, how do we work with our kids? Cause I remember my son was like three and he's just like, Oh yeah, mom, what about the man in the wall? 
And I was like, what about the man in the wall? Okay, let's let's smudge the house, you know? And like, not in a scary way, but just like, oh yeah, okay, you're seeing that? Like, let's make sure our container is clear. And to let it um, be integrated in their being rather than some other thing that we don't right. have control over. And I think, you know, you made the point about can we not understand this as a part of our humanity? Like we are expanding as human beings and our understanding of what's possible. And so instead of saying, oh no, there's a ghost or a spirit or whatever, to say, oh, you're seeing something, here's a tool. Let's use this tool so that we can be grounded, so that we can feel really good in our space and know that we can clear out anything that's not wanted. Um, I think that's a great way to approach it. My, my son, so I do, um, you know, in my practice, I give intuitive readings and I remember with one of my clients, anytime I'd be on the phone with her, I would hear my son come up the stairs with his little triangle. Like we have a little bucket of musical instruments. And my husband later, I said to him, Oh, I heard, um, I heard our son coming up the stairs, like clinking on the triangle. Was there, you know, like, what was that about? And he said, oh yeah, he said he was bringing energy music for you. And I don't talk to my son using a lot of spiritual constructs or language. I never would have ever said those words. That was something he came to on his own. And I thought, whoa, he was bringing some sound healing to that situation. And, and he's very sensitive. And so I am mindful. We've been, we have been clearing the energy in the house a lot more lately especially as, um, as I think he's landing in his own awareness in a much deeper way. He's, he's turning four. So for anybody wondering, he's still very young, but yeah, I think there's a whole dance around how do we become more integrated in ourselves in this multidimensional human experience? And then how can we model and share it with our kids without putting fear on them, without providing too many constructs? Mm-hmm. because constructs can be helpful, but at the end of the day, language is a construct. And really what we're doing is talking about experiences, about energy that we're sensing, and we sense it in different ways, and then we come back to language as a tool to try to describe what we're sensing. And I, I like to emphasize that because I think it's so easy And this happens to me, you know, I hear people talking in deep spiritual constructs about what their practice is or what they're doing or using certain labels. And I think in the human experience, it can quickly start to feel or be perceived as ego making claims about what you're connecting to or how you're doing it versus staying really grounded in the construct that is this reality Like I really do live in this physical 3D world that we're in on earth. And I think there's so much that is going unseen in our physical reality in terms of our relationship with the natural world, in terms of the way that we take care of the land, let alone the way that we relate to other human beings and animals. As you were sort of mentioning, it becomes a very slippery slope to suddenly recognizing all of the things that we have become so separated from. I think my 
very intellectual undergrad education and like classics of social and political thought is stepping forward here (laughs) where, you know, I I remember learning about um, Marx and being separated from our labor. And like now, you know, you look at the lives that we live, even people who are super conscious and try to eat local and grow their own veggies and all of that. And, you know, sometimes I think it really is easier for people to just not pay attention or the systems that we're living in are now so complex that we have to participate in a way that, you know, just to survive and feel okay means we don't constantly um, grapple with the implications of how detached we've become in so many ways from these different systems. So I hope that's not too meta. (laughs) I hope your listeners will be forgiving with that. But at the same time, I really do feel like that's, that's why I think staying pretty grounded is really important. That's why I talk about intuition and inner knowing, because I think everybody has inner knowing. And yes, can I get down with my spiritual constructs? Of course, I came into this work connecting into the idea of angel energy. Like I was originally an angelic, I think my first business card in my side hustle said angelic healing or something like that, intuitive reading and angelic healing. Mm. Um, And really what I've come to recognize is it's just all of these different energetic frequencies, call it what you will, but I'm much more interested in how the humans are doing and how the animals and nature are doing and what we can do to become more alive, to bring more life into our world and into our co-creation than I am into trying to teach somebody into a certain constructed way of understanding. Yeah, I really get that because so having studied herbalism, right, we, we learn the names of plants. However, if you're walking along, and you're just like, oh, that's just a tree. You've labeled that a tree and you can just walk by or, oh, that's just an oak tree. We know what an oak tree is. We know what it does. We know who it is. But in reality, if you approach that being with curiosity, today, you don't know what an oak tree is. You don't know what that oak tree is. Who is this actual being in relation to you? What is your relationship? Like it, it, it's just, there are infinite possibilities. And if you can, you know, have the space to be curious, then it's not just, oh, I know what an oak tree is, you know, and continue on with your day. Right. Yes. And you, and you will be different each time you go back to that tree. Yeah, and that tree may be different, right? And it may have medicine that is not officially oak tree medicine, right? Like according to the book. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So yeah, I do think staying open is really, really important. I'm going back to your original question because I feel like I had started to share all of these childhood stories with you, but I do feel like it's really important for all of us to just really embrace the fact that tapping into your intuition opening to your inner knowing is something that you can bring with you in an integrated whole way in your daily life, into work. And, um, you know, I spent the better part of 15 years collaborating and co-designing affordable housing programs and holistic poverty reduction services, working with diverse communities in urban and rural settings, mainstream, you know, multicultural um, urban spaces and um, tiny remote 
towns where, you know, an urban indigenous organization was adopting a program model. And I feel like so much of what I've learned in my spiritual journey, in my expanded wholeness as a human being has come as medicine through the relationships that I had the gift to form doing that work. Mm-hmm. And I just want to emphasize that because I think back to that conversation we were having around parenthood and not feeling like you have the space to be necessarily meditating for hours every day or, you know, meditating and then pulling Oracle cards and then journaling your visions and then writing your gratitude list and then coming back to the gratitude list and, you know, doing all those things. Sure. Those practices are great. And I've had years in my life where I did those things and, and it deepened my awareness and it deepened my ability to sense, but it's a really different sensing when we can show up with humility, when we can show up with honesty around our intentions and the work that we're doing, and then listen to the people who we're working with about what's alive for them in that moment. What's coming to mind is that, you know, it's, it's no longer the era where the sacred is in the temple. The temple has to be everywhere. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. Our life is the temple. Yeah. The one last thing that I was really hoping we could touch on is this idea of spirit or intuition can give you guidance, but you're under no obligation to follow it because we have free will and sovereignty in our own being. (laughs) And I just really appreciate that you talk about that. And I'm just curious if if that's something you wanted to touch on. Yes, I believe 100% in divine free will. And the way that I see energy, and I do see and sense energy in lots of different ways, is that it sort of shows up for me like a map of multiple possibilities. And so when I practice intention setting, I call in only the possibilities that would serve my best and highest good. And then there are different pathways that get shown to you. And, um, and you, it's kind of like make, pick your own adventure. And what I will say is that, so I think what you're getting at, which I will share is that I've been in a lot of situations where, so I always set my intentions and then I also always close my energy when I'm done doing my spirit work because I really believe that if we don't, it's very easy to go back out into the world with your um, spiritual channel open and start to kind of sponge in the emotions, the sort of psychic debris, anything and everything that's going on that may or may not be serving your best and highest. And so a big part of my practice is to open with gratitude, to ground and to really set my intentions. And then when I'm done, I give thanks and I release and I call my energy back into me and I get grounded again. And that then prevents me from going out and picking up on things that are not necessarily in alignment with where I want my own compass to be facing. And that being said, as I've grown and deepened in my own practices, I do get nudges from, and again, we talked about constructs. So for the purposes of clearly describing what I'm describing for you, I'll say that I have the gift of mediumship and I receive communication from loved ones who are passed away or people's spirit side, um, make of that whatever you will. And, um, And I've had these experiences where 
I'll be in a work training or I'll be in a meeting or I'll be out in the world and I will have a very strong sensation for somebody who is near me um, in the form of a message from a loved one on the other side. And I often think of, you know, TV shows that I would have watched 10 or 20 years ago where you see mediums out in the grocery store and they say, I have a message for you from your loved one. And somebody is shocked and then they start crying and it's like this whole scene. And I, I have a really negative visceral reaction to that because I first and foremost believe in consent in everything. And so when I have the experience of sensing something, my process is that I will tell spirit world, go talk to your human. I'm not your human. Go talk to the person who you want to have the message. And often they'll come to me because you know, people whose energetic channels are pretty open will feel like an easier way to come through because maybe a spirit's trying to connect and their human doesn't even realize that that could be possible and they're not seeing the signs or looking for it. But I will always um, send a spirit back to their person and I feel no obligation to do that work because everyone's on their own path and it's all a choice, right? And there are times where I've now set with the spirit world my own code of ethics. So my code of ethics is I don't say anything to anybody without their consent. And I try to get consent privately. So in a situation where I sent something for somebody at a social gathering, my code of ethics with spirit world is they need to come into me three separate times to give me the sign that they've been trying to reach their human and they can't get through the other way. And they would like me to go ahead and ask. If I'm having a good time, I don't feel any obligation to do it. It's not, it's again, that free will piece. So I will only do it if I really want to. And sometimes it feels really significant. I can tell I'm like, oh, this will be really healing for them or whatever. If they agree to receive the message. And then if it was a social situation, I would take somebody into a private space to say, you may not know this, but I have a deep intuitive practice. Sometimes I receive messages I don't know if that's something you're comfortable with, but if there was a message for you, would you want to receive it? And if they say yes, I would say, and would this be the place that you would want to receive it or would you like to connect another time? And I just say this because I think there are so many people at the beginning of their spiritual journey who are opening to their intuitive gifts, who get so excited that they feel like it's their responsibility to give messages to anybody and anyone who they sense anything for. And I don't think that that's respectful to themselves. And I don't think that that's respectful to the people for whom they may or may not be getting messages and their messages may or may not be accurate because maybe they've never practiced. And so that's a whole other thing. And I have so much love and compassion for those who are starting out on their spiritual journey. That's why I do intuitive mentorship because we have so much work to do in this. It's always growing and evolving and changing. And we need safe spaces and community to talk about what we're experiencing where we won't be judged as projecting or as um, believing in things that other people don't believe in or um, or maybe making assumptions about people that are not correct. So I think there are some I think it's really important for each practitioner's individual safety and well-being to also have those kind of ethics around themselves and to really find safe people who they can trust to really explore their practice with. Hmm. 
or to ask people, would you be open to doing a practice session with me? And, um, and then the rest of the time kind of my, I try to mind my own business. And if I really feel like there's an important message, then I go through all of these steps to get consent. And then I can share a message if, if somebody really is here for it. Um, but that's kind of the, that's the practice in a nutshell. Thank you so much. I think that's incredibly important and can be applied in many places in our lives, even with dealing with other humans. Imagine if we really invested in that idea of consent, sovereignty, free will. Around everything, not yes. just spiritual stuff. Yes, exactly. I mean, and that, I think that's the point of the practice is to say even like, do you want advice right now or do you need a listening ear? I mean, that's, yes, that applies to our relationships in all of our most earthly realms outside of getting messages from spirit, let alone, you know, tapping into some other energy. I a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. And I love how respectful that is of oneself and of others. And there's just, yeah, so much integrity in the way that you are walking and I appreciate it so much. I want to keep talking for so long, but we're hitting the end of our time. And I want to make sure that our listeners who are interested in learning more about your work, that we can tell them where they can find you. And also just to say, we will be continuing this conversation on your podcast the Intuitively Aligned podcast with Sydney Bloom. So everyone stay tuned for that because we just have so much to chat about. For those who want to know more about you and your work, where can we find you online? Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy to speak with you and I'm excited for our conversation. People who want to find me, there are different places. I recommend joining me on Substack. That's where I put out my newsletter. That's where I share the podcast. You can also find the podcast on any platform that you listen to. And then I also have a website, which is www.sydneybloom.com. And, um, and that's where I share my services as well. I'm also on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, those are the places where people can find me. And I love, love to connect as everyone can tell. I'm sure I'm a big chatter. And it also means the world to me to, to truly know what people think and to have a real exchange. Mm. Um, I, I love that. So please feel free to reach out to your audience in any which way. And I'm so excited that we will get to dive a little deeper into your journey as well when you come on the intuitively aligned podcast, but thank you. Thank you for having me as a guest here in this absolutely beautiful energy that you've created. Thank you for listening to the show. Sydney is generously gifting our Moonwise community 15% off of her deep dive intuitive readings between now and the end of 2023. To access this gift, please email Sydney directly at sydneybloom at gmail.com with the subject line Moonwise promo for booking link and payment details. I will also be putting this information on our show page. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review Moonwise on Apple Podcasts as it makes a huge difference in helping people find us. You can also sign up for our weekly magazine dedicated to inspiration and seasonal wisdom at Moonwise.co slash magazine. See you next time.